What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Not About Wrestling. You know, I'm Chris Luminati. And I'm Stephanie Bowen. I think they figured that out by now, right? Yeah, I think so. We might have new listeners, especially for this episode. Especially for this episode. So for branding purposes, we should specify that you are indeed Steph and I am indeed Chris. I Yes. Yes. I mean, it could. I could be Christine and you could be Steven, your cat. Mm -hmm. Chris, uh, sometimes I don't know if I've ever had that situation where I wrote down my name, Chris, and somebody assumed I was a woman. It's rare. Yeah. I think you always assume it's a guy. Unless it's spelled with a K. Oh, is that what the women? Yeah, I guess the women version is Chris, but that, that's always really short for like Christy, right? Or Kristen. Yeah. Do you, speaking of names and shortness, do you, I don't want to say, I know you don't follow this guy on TikTok, but have you seen those TikToks of the guy where it's just him talking back and forth to himself and he's talking to the guy who's in charge of naming things? So it's like, he's like, what's the plural for moose? He's like moose. And it's just like all the asinine things that come with the English language. So in this one that I saw recently, it was he was put in charge of nicknames for names or like shorter names for names. And mm-hmm. he was like, I got to warn you, I'm in a bad mood, so I don't want to do this today. He's like, OK, what's, you know, what's short for this name? He's like, Richard Dick. He's like, wow, you are in a bad mood today. He's like, you don't want to go with like Rick or Rich? No, Dick. <laughs> and it's like all the shortening names of things. So l- some of the names don't make any sense. One of them, another. Oh. John, people call them Jack. How's uh, Jack? Yeah, some are don't make sense whatsoever. Short for John. Don and I worked with a kid who's was a he wasn't a junior, he was like a third or a fourth. And his name was Edward, but people called him Ned. And yeah. we're like, you yeah, literally added a you added a letter to your name to make it a completely different name. <laughs> you went from Edward to Ned. Yeah, that one doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know who doesn't go by his uh, regular given name? One of our guests today. Who? I believe Tony Schiavone's real name is Noah Anthony Schiavone. Oh, really? Yes. And Dirk Manning's also on the show. Of course, because they make fun of him all the time on the show. But yes, Tony Schiavone and Dirk Manning are our guests today. And we're super excited about it. And in case you couldn't tell, we're doing this intro right after we talk to them. And I'm like a little schoolgirl and my face is still red. And I had the greatest time in the world. Wedding. He's just marking out. You did a great job during keeping it together. I tried. I could have talked to him about what happened when for the entire hour. I know. But I did not. I controlled myself. I probably was as controlled as you were this weekend. Yeah. Well, now now that we're listening to this, it was two weekends ago, right? When people get to this. Would have been two weekends by now. Yes, yeah. So this will come out. Um, I, I don't know. Oh, where's my June twenty first? My background. <laughs> June twenty first, Stephanie. June twenty first. What? <gasps> Your birthday. Yeah, it's my birthday. Today <laughs> oh, is my birthday. Y'all better listen to this and go wish Chris a happy birthday. I'm not going to say it right now because it's not his actual birthday when we're recording this. <laughs> well, what a great day! What a great day to talk to one of my wrestling. I know. Yeah. I'm one of my favorite wrestling people, Mr. Tony Schiavone on my birthday. I mean, we didn't talk yeah. to him on my birthday, but released it on my birthday, but we are getting way off topic. Here. Anyway, Let's so go back to talk shop. June 13th, mm-hmm. which we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. They so we talked to Rocky Romero, the talking shop live at Jimmy Seafood finally happened. And it was 
everything I wanted it to be and more. Mm -hmm. It was insane. I got to meet all of the rest of the Patreon. They all came out to my show the night before. It was just incredible. Hung out with Doc, Carl, and Rocky afterwards and all their wives. And it just... I. I can't put into words like how fantastic it was. And I mean, we had Rocky on here and he was fantastic to talk to. He is just an amazing human. So, so nice. Yeah. You texted me and you were like, Rocky came up and said hi to me for just, you know, like just, you were so excited. I'm like, yeah, well, you just interviewed him on a podcast. I know, but still. And then um, his wife actually said something to me too when I introduced myself and I was just like, hi, I'm Stephanie. And she was like, Stephanie. She was like, you're in our na- a name in our house. Mm-hmm. Like Rocky was like, oh, put away the dogs. I'm podcasting with Stephanie. <laughs> I was like, what? Doesn't that blow your mind? I, it, I have to pinch myself in a lot of these situations when I was hanging out with all of them all night, honestly, today. Like when I'm like, wait a second, who? who are we interviewing today? <laughs> like, it's just, it's still a surreal thing. And I think also because we are in this like Zoom atmosphere that like, I'm just in my house. I'm not even getting to like go see shows live and have these potential like meet and greet interactions with people. Like we just get to do it over Zoom. I mean, eventually we hope to bring this show to a live aspect and talk to these people. Yeah. I would hope. Some fan fest and stuff we have our own fan fest duh yeah like you know i have already pictured in my head where we have the podcast and your band plays and we have like a whole kind of thing for all of our listeners i'm there i'm (laughs) only doing that if we can get a live performance of girls in cars by me (laughs) no from the man himself Oh, that's a big ask. (gasps) Do you think he's on Cameo? Oh, God. (gasps) I don't know, but I need to find out. (laughs) We have to find that out. What if we could just get him to sing us Girls in Cars and it'd be the new, like, intro to the show? I got to imagine we wouldn't have been the first people to ask him that. We might be. (laughs) I don't know. Unless. Yeah, I'm sure we probably were the first people to ask him to sing Girls in Cars. Play all your hits. Go to (laughs) play all your hits like girls in cars. Please don't play steal away. We want girls in cars that he'd probably lose his mind. Like Robbie Dupree is just like waiting to get the next cameo. That's just got something to do with steal away. And he's like, girls in cars. Who wants to hear that? The not about wrestling podcast. What is wrong with them? Oh, my God. (laughs) Are you looking up and see if he's on cameo? Maybe. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll stall while you're looking. You don't need to stall. Just Okay, <laughs> what you think that's, you think he's like on the top of the cameo list? I'm not looking at him. I'm just, no, I'm just looking up. Just, just peeking, seeing what he's doing. Robbie days. Dupree? Yeah. Just, what did you look up? What do you, what do you Google to see if Robbie, du, what the Robbie Dupree's doing? I'm looking at his wiki. Oh God, that probably hasn't been updated in years. He, he uh, showed up on a podcast on, uh, in the summer of, 2019 not ours no i know he did a um uh rock the yacht tour in 2018 with yacht rock is big yacht rock is big i i love yacht rock so much i saw an article the other day it was arguing which songs are yacht rock and which songs are not 
Yeah, there's definitely songs on my playlist that are definitely not Yacht Rock, but mm. I still have them on anyway because they kind of go along with it. They're just good drinking in a sunny situation on a weekend kind of songs. Yep, boat I mean, songs. Also, who are we to say what get, gets played on a boat? Neither of us own a boat. You are more of a boat owner than I am because you know people who own a boat. I got a boat license and I go on a boat every weekend. Steph, I couldn't tell you the last time I was on a boat. Literally a cruise in 1995 was the last time I was on a boat, I think. Jeez. Wait, let me think Too about long. that. Know how I mean, you should fix that? By going on the Jericho cruise in October. I, I almost I was, went on that once. I was serious. I'm seriously considering going this year. I would do it. We should just podcast from there. Let's go. We know enough people. It. Like we can get on there. I want to go. Yeah, I want totally want to do that. Okay. Uh, should we talk about who's on the show today? Yeah, you probably should. Look, we're just trying to get out all of our, our excitement from yeah. that conversation. We have such a nervous energy right now. And it's not nervous <laughs> like we were scared. to th- Like, I wasn't scared to talk to Tony. But, like, th- this is the way I equated it. Because I talked to someone today who doesn't know a thing about wrestling. And I said to them, and I said that I was getting, like, amped up and, like, nervous about this. And they were like, why? And I was like. Imagine someone's been a part of your life for 30 years and you get an hour with him mm-hmm. or her, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're trying not to be like, oh, my God, remember that one time? Oh my, you're trying not to be Chris Farley on SNL. Like, yeah. remember that time you were on Nitro? That was so cool. Like, you're <laughs> trying not to be that guy. Yeah. So all day long, I was like, don't be that guy. Don't say things. Don't make inside jokes. Just stand there and laugh and like just ask questions. So I was kind of doing that all day. And then when you realize, you know, three minutes into it, oh, he's just another human being. Yeah. Doing an interview, you know, it kind of like alleviates it. So we had a great conversation with Tony and Dirk. And I I literally I cannot wait for this comic book to come out. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be great. It really is. And I want to get an autographed copy. I'm going to figure out how to do it. I'm sure there's still one on the uh, the Kickstarter. I'm sure there's a there's a level that I could get an autograph. Yeah, probably. But maybe yeah. I, I think I want to keep it and then hopefully someday meet him and get it signed. Yeah, get all the cover. Well, that's what they were doing at the show. They had that the little preview one at FanFest mm. that they like encourage people to get and then like go around and try and get everyone to sign it. The only way I see that not happening is if I have that problem where I can't leave my house again. Yeah. Because you know about me and leaving my house. Let's hope that doesn't happen. It's tough sometimes just because Mm. I'm just lazy. A little bit. Yeah, kind of. I'll Mm. get out there. I promise. We got to go to some shows. I'll go. Uh, So uh, this is Steph and I talking to Dirk Manning and Mr. Tony Schiavone. back everybody and we are here with Dirk Manning and may I call you the voice of our childhood Mr. Tony Schiavone well if you want to I've heard it so many times that it's uh yes you may thank you okay do, you gotta do you come fi- up with something else <laughs> old man how about that one <laughs> yeah, comic well. book superstar okay yes. how about that one yeah comic book superstar we're excited to talk about that I feel like Tony people call you the voice of their childhood and they weren't even really around at that time. Like, I'm sure some guys in AEW say you're the voice and they were probably like, what, two, three? Yeah, probably so. I I, I think that maybe they uh, they picked it up on the network 
afterwards or, or what was passed down or whatever, but you know, guys that are in their thirties, obviously, um, and, um, grew up watching, uh, wrestling and watching TBS and watching TNT. They all, uh, it, it's amazing. It, it's amazing how much really I hear that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, ne- I never thought it would come to this in my life, but there you go. You know, one thing that I do think about all the time, especially because, you know, on what happened when you and Conrad go back and you're now you've been doing 86 for the entire year right. and you're going back and you're looking back at everything you do. Now, there's no possible way in 1986 that you knew that in 2021 you'd be talking about it and right. rewatching it, and reliving it. But does it kind of change or affect anything you're doing now? As in, like when you're doing AEW, you're like, OK, someone might be watching this in 35, 40 years. So does it kind of change what you say, how you say it? No, not really. Because we are TV 14, I'm a little bit more out there than I was. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I don't think any of us knew in 1986 that the, that the internet would rule our lives as much as it has. Mm -hmm. And, um, so now everything that we did back then is, is shown on TV and it could be seen on either the network or obviously on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tell you what it does. It makes me going back and looking at 1986. It makes me appreciate my lot in life. I, I, I think not enough people, uh, have a chance to do that, to go back and, and look back and say, Hey, I did that. I accomplished that. And I was part of that. And I was a big wrestling fan prior to that. And that's what we talk about in our comic book. Uh, and now I can go back and look at that and look at back, look back at that and uh, fondly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never thought I would look when, when I got out of wrestling in 2001, I thought gone, never see it again, never do it again. So now that I'm back, I can go back and look at like 1986 and be very, very proud of a lot of things that we did. And, and the fact that I, I did accomplish a lot, uh, with at that time, Turner broadcasting, either that, even that one year I was with Vince and in the WWE. Now, Dirk was Tony, the voice of your childhood. Oh, man, no one's ever asked me this before, so I've been able to avoid the question. Um, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, he's he's like only two years younger than me, so that's... Right, right, right. You know, uh, no, um, I, I discovered Tony's work after the fact, like he said, through things like the, the network and things like that. Um, I, gosh, we've never talked about this, Tony. I, um, I, so good, good question. Good on you, man. Um, I, I kind of fell out of wrestling for a time as well. And it was right around the time when Tony was doing a lot of his WCW work. So when I got back in, uh, it was when Tony had already left. So like, literally I was like, Tony enters wrestling, Dirk Manning steps away. And then Tony leaves, Dirk Manning comes back. It's like, we couldn't, we were not yet destined to coexist at the same, in the same industry at the same time, I suppose. But, uh, looking back then and going back and catching up on what I, what I missed in that time frame, you know, I started to, to see Tony's stuff and I thought, yeah, he's, he's pretty decent, man. He's, he's, he's got some, you know, he could go somewhere in this business. <laughs> now, how did you guys get connected in the first place? It started with a, um, with, uh, my attorney, uh, Mike Dawkins, who happens to know, uh, Dirk Manning. And I think anybody in wrestling has probably heard of Mike Dawkins, we call him the gimmick attorney. Uh, he is the attorney for many wrestlers, a trademark attorney. We've gotten to know him through Conrad and he contacted me and said, 
you ever thought about doing a comic book? And I said, well, no, I haven't, but I, I really would like to entertain the idea because I know there's a lot of wrestling books out there. Uh, a lot of people have written wrestling books and I'm not so sure. I, I've been asked many times, Hey, are you going to write a book? And I got to thinking, man, I don't know if I am or not. Uh, but then when um, Dawkins approached me about doing a comic book, I said, you know, that's not a bad idea because I like comics. I like superheroes. I like fantasy. I like sci-fi. And he said, well, I've got this guy uh, who's really a nice guy and really professional and really can work with you on, on putting this comic book together. And then he told me that that guy was not available. So he introduced me to Dirk Manning. There it is. There it is. Like, over. I'll just, I'll just watch it coming in slow motion. Like, like. No, he knew Dirk. Uh, they both live in Toledo and uh, they know each other. So he uh, put me in contact with Dirk and then he got me in contact with Drina. I guess Drina and Dirk at the same time. And um, we got on, on a Zoom. I don't know. Was it once a month, Dirk? Once every three weeks? I don't know how long it was. It depended. You know, our first Zoom was, was I think, kind of that introductory, let's see how this is going to work. Because, yeah, you know, to Tony's point, Dawkins was kind of playing both ends against the middle because he did the same thing to me. He's like, hey, how would you feel about writing a comic book with Tony Schiavone? And I was like, I I'll entertain the idea. You know, like literally it was like, that was it. I didn't know Tony personally. I knew who he was, obviously, and his, his impact and, on, on the business. But to, to Tony's latter point there, we ended up, once the project started, we were doing Zoom calls about every three weeks or a month for about a year, mm -hmm. you know, really, when all was said and done. And, and I knew that would be a pretty huge commitment. So it was kind of like, yeah, we can we can talk. You know, I, I've known Dawkins for a long time. Um, I first met him when I had a comic running online at MTV's website of all places back in the day. And we kind of reconnected and Dawkins was like the, the, the mastermind behind this whole thing and just kind of orchestrated us together. So, and we, we hit it off on our first call, you know, and, and again, going into that call, I wasn't sure where this was going to go. And I thought, well, I'll get the scope of this. And maybe, maybe if this isn't going to be the right thing for me, I'll, I'll hand it off. You know, even though I'm a huge wrestling fan, even though I had a, a sabbatical for a while there. I've always been a big fan of wrestling and enjoyed it. And one Zoom with Tony, and I was like, this this is going to be really cool. This is going to be something really special. And uh, off we went to Zoom calls, seeing him more than I talked to some people in my family. <laughs> there you go. Now, I know that as of April, you guys hadn't met in person. Was FanFest a couple of weeks ago the first time you guys had met in person? Yes. Yes. First time. Wow. First How was that? Met, uh, uh, well, he sweat a lot. I, I noticed <laughs> that. Uh, and uh, so we kept giving towels and uh, he kept having wrestlers come up to me and wanting my autograph, which was really uncomfortable to have a, for me to give a wrestler my autograph. As a matter of fact, it really pissed me off that he would do something like that. And then I took pictures. He took a picture of me like signing something for Sammy Guevara. Or sign, oh. signing something for Dustin Rhodes and and then uh, Ricky Starks jumped in too, and they all they all started coming in. I don't mind signing. I, as a matter of fact, I love interacting with fans. I really do, and and I think you saw that uh, Dirk when we were uh, when we were all together there for the fan fest. Absolutely, and I love doing that. But signing an autograph for a wrestler, it's just kind of awkward. It just <laughs> really is. So it was the first time we met, and we I had I, I think we we all had a good time that day. 
I met uh, Travis of, of SourcePoint, and uh, it was uh, they know how to run a table, and we had a great line out there that day. And it was it was a I, w- I would think uh, Dirk, I think you would agree, it was a pretty good weekend. For oh, it was fantastic. It went so fast, you know. And and to, to Tony's sweating comment, I was told, uh, oh yeah, it'll be a condition. It's fine. So I wore a suit, which I normally wear just a, a jacket and dress shirt and slacks when I'm doing a signing. And uh, spoiler, it was not air conditioned. At that point, you're married to the gimmick. I'm like, well, okay, you know. So it was hot, and, and Tony was kind of ribbing me. And Tony gave away his biggest weakness of knowing that he would not want to sign autographs for the wrestlers. So of course, we just had to triple down on that. But no, it was a fantastic weekend. It went so fast. Um, it was like a blur, you know. I mean, it was over before we knew it, you know. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, Tony, you can testify this back. From the moment you walked up to the table, it was go time. Yeah. I mean, it was just our line was the width of the football field for, I think, three hours and 47 minutes of our four hour signing. And, and even after that, when we then took a break, when we were done with our allotted time and walked away, I went back to the table later and there were still people coming by getting stuff signed. So, real quick, um, going back, I can only imagine how much. Uh, Mike Dawkins charged you guys for putting you two together. I can imagine that was a huge bill. Just yeah, for, it was for putting the two of you together. But also, still, still paying, still paying. Yeah, you're going to pay for that for the rest of your life. Right. Um, but I can imagine. I know, like, I don't. I haven't gone to fan fests recently or anything like that. I just go to the grocery store now, and I know how kind of uncomfortable that gets because now we're just all getting back into the masks off. Like the world is kind of coming. So. How was that feeling like, was it, oh, okay, so can I shake a person's hand? Can I, go, like, that was probably, it was probably weird getting acclimated to seeing people again. Yeah, you, you got to think that, first of all, I've been vaccinated, and you got to think that anybody that had their mask off was vaccinated, but you'd never know if that's the case or not. You know, mm-hmm. someone could say, yeah, I've been vaccinated, and that that person may just not want to wear a mask. We mm-hmm. had hand sanitizer. And about uh, about a quarter of the way through it, I remember I looked at Travis, I think, because I was beside Travis. I said, we're really going to find out if my vaccine works today. Right. Okay. This is really the acid test where this (laughs) Pfizer vaccine works. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. I mean, I I didn't get sick. And uh, I did feel kind of odd at first, Mm -hmm. shaking everybody's hand. Because I shake everybody's hand. I ask them their name, Mm -hmm. pat some on the back, put my arm around them, take pictures or whatever. Some had masks, most did not. And so, yeah, it was, it was very weird. It really was, but you got to get into it and you kind of forget about it. Uh, you know, the pandemic for a little while. Yeah. I did a, I did a store signing a couple of weeks before that just to kind of reacclimate to it after not having done any public appearances in 14 months, you know, uh, with, with the comic writing, a lot of times I would do 25, 30 appearances a year. You know, and then having such a long break and then knowing that, you know, FanFest is going to be coming up and things like that. I did a store signing, kind of ease in to see how I would feel about it. I, too, had been fully vaccinated for a while. I got my 5G magnetic stripe and all that stuff. You know? <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> and um, but it was like putting on an old comfy, uh, comfy pair of slippers. You just go. And like I said, you just have to presume positive intent. You have to assume that people are, are acting with integrity in regards to things. And, and some people were more comfortable shaking hands and stuff, I think, than not. And some people were masked, most didn't. But, uh, yeah, once you get in the thick of it, once you do a signing like that, um, when it's literally nonstop people, you just go. 
you just jump in and go. And uh, for me, it was almost weird being at the live events and the pay-per-views that weekend where you were then sitting or surrounded by people again. Mm-hmm. That was, that was to me almost more, uh, it took a little more getting used to being in a sitting in a crowd as opposed to being behind a table. But again, great weekend, everything fine. The, 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 the vaccines work. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was going to be work. my next question too. Tony was finally being back in front of fans. I was just listening to um, Unrestricted and Kenny's comment of, oh, looking now to my right and left and seeing fans instead of Austin Gunn yelling in my face right. <laughs> was fantastic. How was it for you being back there and being able to call those matches in, in front of fans? It it made the, it made the difference. Uh, all the difference in the world. It really did. During the, uh, during the pandemic, Stephanie, we would, uh, Tony Khan talks to me a lot during the broadcast, which, uh, which I really enjoy because he doesn't, sh- he doesn't scream. He doesn't say bad things to me. He just gives me pointers. And I, and I feel, I feel very honored that he would, that he would talk to me most because he wants me, I guess he feels that I do a good job of relaying what he wants. And he would, a lot of times in my ear, it said, okay, you know, there's no fans in here tonight. So I need you to what he would call one and a half. I need you to announce at one and a half. I need you to really hit it hard. I need you to speed up your excitement, hit it one and a half. He never had to do that uh, when fans were in because the fans, as we thought they would be, would be so thrilled about coming back to and seeing wrestling that they would cheer anything. And they actually even popped when the referees walked out. Yeah, Rick Knox walked out for a match. They cheered Rick Knox, <laughs> and uh, so they they cheered the Varsity Blondes. And the Varsity Blondes are a good team; they're good kids, but they they didn't, do not have the TV time other guys do. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, it it really meant all the difference in the world. It was really really uh, great being out there, and uh, we could draw off the fans. I think the wrestlers performed much better than they did without people there. So, uh, I, I, I hope it, it stays this way for a long time. I, I really do. And I know when we can start going back live in, uh, in July, we're going to have some big, big houses coming up. So I hope the enthusiasm stays up. I think the enthusiasm is not only for wrestling, but the enthusiasm is for life getting back to somewhat normal. Yeah. I, think, I definitely I think, think it's a great combo of both. Yeah. yeah it was cool. It was cool being in the crowd. And like Tori said, you know, I mean, Everyone that walked out, I mean, we were just, there was a fever pitch of excitement to just be there and be part of it again, because wrestling is such an interactive experience, you know, um, it's funny, even with a comic, that's kind of like a thread about like the interaction with the, this world and this larger than life world and having gone to many live events over the years myself, and then getting to go back to one like this and just being there and and I'm not saying this just because Tony's here, but being in a company that is exciting and as refreshing as AEW and being with those like-minded fans, it was, like I said, it was kind of weird to get used to being around people at first, but once the show started, I mean, it was, it was incredible. And, and the passion for the like-minded fans there is incredible. I think you're going to have loud houses for quite a while, Tony. I mean, yeah, I hope so. It was yeah. cool. Getting back to doing the comic and meeting on those Zooms call Zoom calls, the first couple meetings, Tony, did you go into it with like, okay, these are all the things that I would like to see in it, or was it more like uh, an interview process from Dirk, like, okay, tell me about this part of your life, tell me about that part of your life. 
It was, it was pretty much the latter. It was pretty much uh, them uh, listening to my stories. And we did it kind of out of order, didn't we, Dirk? Yeah. I mean, we didn't do it in chronological I mean, the, the book is obviously in chronological order of my career in wrestling, but mm-hmm. that's not how we started. And I, and I don't know, Dirk, you can speak to that. I don't know why we, we did it in out of order. You uh, to, keep, to keep from getting bored. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 we didn't want to hear all that old we stuff. Was, that was good stuff. No, um, I'm just going to, we're going to let you two make fun of each other all night long. We're just going to okay. stay back here. I just yeah, hear this, is, this is really what it, what it comes down to. Right. It's like, it's like who, who gets in the last best rib, right? Yeah. No. Um, what it was, was in Mike Dawkins to his credit, and I'm going to have to make another tally mark because every time we mention his name, we, we get a bill. He has like a little mm-hmm. abacus and just knocks yeah. feet over. Um, Steph, can you just put in a do- the sound, the ching sound every time we yeah, say, yeah, name? really? Uh, <laughs> no, but he, him and I talked and, the way we, after I met Tony and talked to him and, and things like that, what really came to me is like, and it sounds so pretentious and I apologize, but like the vision for the book, if you will, was we'll do 10 chapters that span Tony's life and wrestling. So it's not so much Tony's life story as it is from the time as a teenager when he got into first discovered wrestling to where he is now. And knowing that we would go through these 10 kind of chapters to break up his whole life. I decided what we do is we use a different artist for every chapter to kind of best represent that time. So the teenage Tony chapter is a different artist than the AEW chapter of Tony than the Tony when he got out of wrestling for, for a number of years. So not knowing Tony very well, but obviously being familiar with the work of the podcast at that point. And I, I did want to start with stories that would be easiest for me to take that story, turn it into a 10 page comic script and then give it to him to see what we were doing with it. Because, you know, uh, Tony had never worked with a comic book writer before. And this was a new experience. So if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to go back and look. I think a couple of the earliest ones we did were actually the shortest amount of time. So I could really demonstrate, here's how we're going to capture this story. Like your time with Uncle John or the night of the butts and seats call. Or, you know, as a, because it would be very condensed. That way later when we got to, we, we do a whole chapter with Tony's life away from wrestling, which I think it's almost two decades, isn't it? That you were, you were out, Tony. I mean, it was it's over about 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would be 18 years really. Yeah. There was, there's a chapter that covers that amount of time in 10 pages. I didn't want to jump into that to kind of show how quick we were going to, you know, skim over the top a little bit, but then the, the night of the butts and seats call is a chapter in and of itself. So I started with ones that were more condensed just so we could kind of get familiar with the process. And then we started rocking and rolling from there. Now, how does that process work for you writing a graphic novel? Obviously with a book, you have so many pages to, to get through telling a story, but with sure. the graphic novel, you don't have that many. Um, just what's that like? Um, like I said, for this book, the, 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 the foundational element of the book was going to be 10, 10 page chapters. So we're going to look at hundred pages, obviously through the Kickstarter, we ended up adding a slew of bonus content, but um, like Tony said, Tony's a great storyteller. And I would say, all right, let's talk about when did you first discover professional wrestling or walk me through the night of the butts and seats call or walk me through, how did you get to AEW? What that was like? And uh, it would be a Zoom call with myself, uh, my editor, Drina Joe. I brought her in to kind of help keep all of us meatheads in line. And then uh, Mike Dawkins and Dave Silva. We're still not sure what Dave did. 
I, I don't know. <laughs> I hope he didn't bill for it because I, I, don't, I think he has hit a button. But no, he did <laughs> nothing. But, <laughs> no, but uh, Tony is a, a natural storyteller. And he would just tell the story. Uh, it would be recorded, obviously. I would take notes. Junior uh, Joe would take notes as well. It's kind of like a backup on certain things that she thought would be very impactful. Um, and I would go through and write a script. And long story short, um, the, way you write it, the way I write a comic script is page one. I know it'll, I'll visualize my mind. It'll have four or five panels. I describe what's in each panel. You're telling a story in still images. Break it down. Send it to Drina. She would look at it. We would tinker with it a little bit, send it to Tony for his approval. He would make notes. The next Zoom call, we'd start. He would just go on and on about what a masterful job I did every time. Everything was perfect the first time. Pitch perfect. The color of the shirts, the the the, the dialogue, everything. And then we would send it to the artist to illustrate and then repeat that process with the art as well. Tony, now, like, you've had a lot of these big moments in your career, and now you're being a little bit more introspective and retrospective about them and you have a chance to look back at them walk us through you get like maybe the first copies and you see yourself in a graphic novel what does that feel like like that's got to be like a holy shit moment oh it is it is because i love comic books and uh the fact is is that the process of writing these comic books and then seeing them seeing the drawings uh just it kind of puts your life in, again in perspective that uh, first of all, that anyone one would be interested in my life is blows me away um, because of my, my background and my roots. As a matter of fact, as we're talking, I'm back in my hometown right now um, and hung out with some of my friends and yesterday and went to my mom's old house and sat in the backyard with mm -hmm. seven of my friends and drank beer. And we took a team picture, so to speak. And my daughter saw it and she said, how come you're the only one that still looks young? And I said, because I'm the only one that left. <laughs> Everybody still lives there and they're crumbling with this town, this old <laughs> town. So I started out in a real small town. And the fact is, is that I, I see my life in pictures now, just kind of like, it just, it just blows me away. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And that's probably, probably why I wanted to, to do a comic book because yeah, you can read about it, but if you see it, it's, it's different. I mean, it, it's much different. That's why some, that's why every, everybody writes a book would love to see their book turn into a movie because they want to see it. Mm -hmm. But now my books kind of starts out as a movie because you can see the different panels and the different, uh, I, I was thrilled to, <clears throat> to find that the artist conception of my wife was amazing. Um, and did you need Lois's approval? Now, no, because we'd still be working on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 Having, having to explain, uh, I love Lois came on a couple of our Zoom calls. <laughs> and uh, what there's one chapter in the book, in particular, illustrated by Sally Scott, which is about Tony Lois's courtship. And we got Tony's side of the story. Then it's kind of a, it kind of, kind of have as a rib, but I'm glad we did it. I said, well, okay, now we need you to the truth. So bring up Lois. And Tony brought up Lois, and then Lois tells her version of the story. Mm -hmm. In the that chapter, Lois ends up pushing Tony out of the way and tells her version of the story. Mm -hmm. But um, to Tony's point, when we started showing Lois some of the pictures, 
we had to keep explaining, well, this is like a cartoon representation. It's a comic book. It's illustrated. Even Tony throughout the chapters, the different artists will sometimes focus on, you know, have a different interpretation of them. You know, it's different styles, Mm. you know? So you actually see, actually it's diamond 10, 14, no, 24. No, 25. Yes, yeah, 25 different artists. 25 representations of Tony in the book, whether it be on the cover or Scott James's version versus DJ Kaufman's version versus Colin Griffin's version uh, versus Jan Apple, who does like a manga anime style. Mm. Uh, you see different different versions of Tony. But yeah, Lois, um, Lois is great, but it was an interesting conversation about how this is this is interpreted. I, w- I would show her pictures uh, or art artist rendition of her and she would say that looks nothing like me i'm said it is a cartoon it is a comic book it is not you with the exception of the size of the boobs which really are you that's not you and the thing uh, is like the artists would have photos and like some of the process pictures are like literally like the photo of lois and then the picture next to it and to me it's a pretty one-to-one you know, tra- transfer, but if you're not familiar with comics, I mean, right. Did, did you, would you say to her, Lois, they wanted to do your boobs the right size, but they ran out of color pencils. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I also say, <laughs> Oh God, you're setting me up here, man. I sure am. I uh, sure am. <laughs> I'm not. Yes, I am going to say it. I said, if they really wanted to do it now, they would draw your boobs on the top of your knees. <laughs> Uh, covered in dog hair, covered in dog, dog hair. hair. Yeah. Right. But it was, it was a fun process. It really was. And it just, you know, I, I've seen the, uh, the advanced copies or the, uh, preview copies, I guess is what you call them, Dirk, uh, that we, that we had and that we were signing and, and they're pretty amazing. They really are. They're just it's amazing to see that. And not only to see me, but see the, the people I work with, see their, how they drew them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's really cool. This feels like a silly question. Did bug the dog make it in? Oh yeah. Multiple times. Okay. I I figured, but I just wanted to ask just to ask. Yeah. (laughs) That was a, that was a term of, uh, of of Tony's conditions was that bug be in the book and that bug have one more appearance than Lois in the book. Mm. A bugs even on the Kickstarter exclusive cover. Oh, see, I didn't even, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. yeah, He's he's back there. Bigger than Lois, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) Now, were there any stories that you wanted to include in it that you just, that either didn't work artistically or you couldn't fit in there? Well, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of very uh, crazy stories that probably needed to stay out of the book (laughs) uh, because you incriminate your friends and then you, you get splattered with the incrimination yourself. So I, there was a lot of stories that I left out of there. Um, mm. But I think uh, some of the the funnier stories that that I had in my life that we could tell uh, that didn't really uh, uh, paint anyone in a bad light are basically in there. I mean, we had some, uh, and these are mostly bonus stories, right, Dirk? Am I speaking out of school here? No, no. Uh, uh, the main story of your life in wrestling is chapters one through nine. Mm-hmm. Chapter 10, we did a couple of bonus stories, uh, like Klondike Bill, you know, is in chapter 10, you know, so people out there that they'll be happy to know Klondike Bill is in the book. And there's a couple little mini bonus stories that make up chapter 10. Right. 
when we got to the Kickstarter, then we started unlocking more. We did four more bonus stories as well. So yeah, they're they're kind of like the the epilogue of like here's a story with Sting, here's a story with Ric Flair, you know, things like that. Yeah, there was one thing though that that I did that I did kind of massage or uh, fine tune, and, and that was the story of WCW after Vince Russo arrived. And and I say that because I know Vince has a lot of heat with a lot of fans. He's a very uh, divisive character, and I, and I get that, but. Vince was very good to me and we worked very well together. We got along. We had a good time. I didn't always agree with all this, some of the stuff he did. And he knew that. And he didn't always agree with my announcing. And I knew that, but we were very friendly with each other. And I didn't want to portray him in a bad light in this book because that was not my relationship with him. It was a very good relationship with him. So I wanted to portray him. I didn't necessarily want to elevate him as the greatest thing in the world. I don't think anyone is in this book. But I just wanted to make sure that my relationship with him was true to uh, true in this book. So that was, and I got along with Eric, and there was a lot of backstage politics, as we know in WCW back in the day. And but again, these are what happened through my eyes, um, not necessarily what happened all the time. So when you see me backstage, it's what I saw, and it's how I saw things, not necessarily how things always probably really happen. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody look, look at this, uh, butts and seats and say, that's not the way it happened. And I'll say, Oh yeah, it did. It's the way it happened from my perspective. Um, so I was really concerned about that. And I really want to make sure that everybody that I work with, uh, was portrayed in a good light because I, I can't, I can't tell you of one person in wrestling that I've met that has been unkind to me. Um, and, has been, uh, I mean, I've had friction with some people, but I've gotten along with most everybody. And, and, I, and it's because I try to get along with people. I think that's important for people to get along, especially these days. Um, so I, I didn't want anybody portrayed in a bad light. And, you know, Dirk and I uh, went back and forth and back and forth about this one, one frame. And I said, this guy looks evil. And he wasn't an evil guy. Take a and guess who it was. What I can do. What's that? Conrad? I said, I said, take a wild guess which character it was that the artist kind of made him look evil. Made him look evil. Yeah. Oh, God. In Tony's past? Yeah. Uh, was, I'll just tell you. I mean, it was Vince Russo. It was Vince Russo. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Nice. It had a picture. Of, it was Russo with his hand. It was Russo with his hand uh, uh, patting me in the back. Yeah. And it looked like. If you just glance at it, it looked like he was going to stab me in the back with a with a knife, and I was like, "Like devil." Mm-hmm. He looked devilish because he, he had looked devilish beard and the goatee, and and, 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 and I looked like I was worried. And I said, "That's not me and Russo. It wasn't me and Russo right. at all." He would pat me on the back, and he would say, "You're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Keep it up." Mm-hmm. And it would make me. And that, I mean, we went around and round on that a lot. And, yeah, we had uh, to. Yeah, we had to keep tweaking it, especially because you do the art before you do the letters. And, you know, and again, you know, I joked earlier about how everything was always perfect the first time. And obviously that's not true. We would go through and massage it, but then you always get the art before you put the lettering out. So you finalize the art and then you put on the letters. So while the lettering would have shown that, that Vince was actually being very reaffirming to Tony, the way he was drawn, and this isn't any slight on the artist whatsoever. The artist did a fantastic job. But the context, and yeah, whether it was patting on the back, it was a hand on your shoulder, but 
he just kind of had a grin and a certain look and, and, and I could see where Tony was coming from. We had to kind of go through and keep doctoring it to make sure that the context, knowing some of the, the history and the baggage that, that uh, Russo has, whether it's appropriate or not, that, that he would be depicted fairly because character, wow, characters, oops, <laughs> people like Vince Russo, uh, like Eric Bischoff, like JR, like Tony Khan, like Cody Rhodes, Conrad, I mean, Thompson, they all have at times pretty substantial roles in this book. And uh, like Tony said, I mean, this is really a representation of what Tony's relationship was like with them, which is positive. This isn't a book that if people are going to try to pick up this comic and think like, Oh God, uh, so-and-so is going to get buried. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not the case. This is about Tony's life and wrestling. And there are peaks and valleys in his journey but this is not a like tell all book and like, Oh, we're going to, you know, go in. Here's the real, you know, shit on this guy. That's not, that's not the intent. That's not the purpose. And and by and large, I don't think that was like you said, I don't think, I don't think that was ever your experience with these guys. We never really had to go through and no. sugarcoat anything. So here's, here's a question about that Vince Russo thing. Was that, the artist's interpretation of what you guys had written, or was that the artist's interpretation of what they knew of Vince Russo? Well, I can't, I don't know if Dirk can answer that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I've not met any of the artists personally, so I don't, I don't know how much they knew about wrestling mm-hmm. or how much they knew about the history of Nitro, WCW. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was, I think there was a little bit of baggage there but I think it was just a combination of factors that without the, the word balloons led to a certain amount of context we wanted to avoid. Mm-hmm. I think we were having that conversation. Part of me was going to say like, look, if we just put the word balloon on it. It'll, it'll bring it together more, but you we're dealing with real people here. You want to be sensitive to that. I, I don't think that the artist in, in, in this chapter was necessarily trying to bury him, but mm-hmm. you know, when you're drawing real people, you want to be sensitive to, any way that people might misinterpret it. You know know what I mean? So uh, could there have been a little baggage? Maybe that he was kind of poking, you know, having a little bit of fun with it. I mean, it's not impossible, Mm -hmm. but the biggest thing for us was let's, and what's funny is ultimately it's very little things that change. You change the eyebrows, you change the smile, whole different context because a comic book, you're telling a, a story in still images. And if you catch a smirk a certain way versus that's all the difference, mm-hmm. you know, body language is, is so much of it. And body language is a crucial component in comic book storytelling. So we just had to make a couple little tweaks to his expression and it was fine. It, it conveyed more what we wanted to. Yeah. The last thing you want is someone just to be like flipping through and just see that and not read that right. word bubble and be able to associate it like that. So totally right, exactly. where that's coming from. Right. Yeah. Vin, Vince looking like a devil on Tony's shoulder, which obviously, right. again, is not the case a- at all. Right. That's what has, someone would take a picture of that and just crop it and just leave right. it out there. <laughs> right. Some troll on Twitter will go through and write, look at this. Yeah. And then, and then you get the Twitter video like, bro, bro, listen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, will there be anybody? So now that you've seen everything written, uh, drawn out, will there any, be anybody that is in? the novel that'll be like, wow, I look goddamn good as a comic book character. Can I get myself as this photo or can we blow this picture up and make this like a framed thing in my office? 
all of them. Um, <laughs> Put them all over. Well, I, I, I need to tell you a little story about okay. that. I, I think you'll enjoy this. I don't even know if I should say it, but it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say it. The, the end shot has me with all of the EVPs, Tony Khan, uh, and, and Brandy. And sure. of course, with the EVPs, Cody and the Bucks and Kenny, mm-hmm. uh, have Chris Jericho all standing in the ring. And they have uh, some of my friends, like the Butcher and the Blade, who I'm, I'm very good friends with, uh, and Britt Baker. As we know, Britt and I are very good friends. Mm-hmm. And Britt said to me, and I told her, I said, the final shot is going to be all of us in the ring, all of my friends in the ring. She said, I better be standing beside you. I said, okay, you got it, buddy. <laughs> so we look at the first one and I say, you need to move Cody here and you need a little Brit here. And so, right. This, so this I was showed, not, this was so not the original. The, <laughs> here's, here's the funny part of it, which just, I mean, I laughed for a long time about this. So I, I showed it to her when we were, you know, when we were at the, uh, at the fan fest. Right. I said, look at, the, and I'm afraid that she's going to say that doesn't look like me or, you know, I, I should be closer to you because we're friends. And I showed it to her and she said, Oh my God, that is fantastic. I went, really? You like it? Yes. It is like a dream. I said, now you're being sarcastic. And she said, no, look at this. I've got big boobs and you're skinny. I said, w- what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, here, here again, I'll, I'll kind of hold it up closely. So there's, there's a shot. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, this, this composition was not the original one. So um, Austin McKinley drew this chapter, the becoming all elite chapter. And wouldn't you know, Austin was one of the only artists in the book that drew his pages on traditional paper rather than digitally. A lot of artists draw digitally now. Only a few did it on paper. I know Scott did, Austin did. So if it's digital, you know, you can just kind of trace them and, you know, move them around. So when we get the revised composition, I'm like, well, Austin, here's the thing. Uh, we need to reshuffle everyone. We need to put oh, Britt no. next to Tony. <laughs> da, 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 da. So then we do, and, and it went through, like, so this panel, there's like four or five versions of it where you know, we had to keep shuffling way around to get it just to where it needed to be. Yeah. But I'm glad, I'm glad Britt liked it. That probably explains why she, she did like, try yeah. to body slam me through the table at FanFest right now. Yeah, she did. No, it's, she has like it's a dream for both of us. It's how we really want to look. Right. You know? <laughs> Shut up. Okay. So that's going to be blown up and put everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, this is, this is the book that Tony was, was signing for all of Yes. Yeah, I saw that. And all the other wrestlers, you know. Okay, Tony, I'm going to put you on the spot slightly here. Okay. The artist comes back to you and they're like, Tony, we have to add one more person. It could either be Rebel or Taz. Who's it going to be? Oh, it's going to be Taz. <laughs> because I don't want to freaking hear it. <laughs> Taz is actually standing behind Tony in this cover. Can't you see him? Do you know. <laughs> can't you see him right there? Yeah, you, you can't see him because he's only two foot one. Right, right. He, he's there, right. He's, he's right behind Tony. I know Chris is like, I don't want any trouble with it. I didn't say that. I had nothing to do with that. That's these two gentlemen. Taz, now, man. 
Oh, I, and and you know we're clipping that and making that up. That's going <laughs> to be on Twitter. I mean, Tony, you don't have to worry. You're not on Twitter, so you won't know. Some, some, yeah. someday, someday I'll be back at FanFest and be like, hey, yo, just, I'll, I'll feel the arms wrap around me. You're going to get choked out. You're going right. to get choked I, out. I wasn't even a suplex. So like, hey, you can run. Yeah. Taz is the, the gift that keeps on giving backstage. Mm. I, I He makes me laugh more than anybody. He really mm. does. And and it's just, I mean, there's a lot of people. JR makes me laugh. Excalibur, we have a great time. But Taz, man, when he gets on a rant, oh, it's the best. It is the absolute best. It's one of the great, one of the great things of being backstage in AEW. I would have loved to have a bonus story with like, like ribs with Taz or like Taz ranting. <laughs> You know, I mean, it would have been fantastic. Maybe someday we'll do like the 10th anniversary edition or something. We'll, we'll, we'll put something in there like that. There <laughs> was a, uh, something happened when, uh, you know, when sting first appeared, it was a big deal. It was a big surprise. Mm-hmm. Shocked everybody. It really, su- really surprised me the night he landed because, or the night he first arrived, because I had heard that he was coming, but I didn't know for sure. They weren't going to tell me anything for sure. And then I get to the arena that day and Cody says to me, your buddy's here. So what are you talking about? He said, sting, he's here tonight. I said, you're kidding me. So I went back to his trailer and talked to him. So when he walks out, right, it's a big deal. So the first time I do an interview with him in the ring, or maybe on the stage, I can't remember. And I go, this is sting. And he walks out. We did an interview as the, as the, uh, the segment comes to an end. We go to a break. I'm walking back to the desk and Taz sticks his head through the curtain and goes mock. <laughs> okay. And it, it hit me. I was, I was laughing so much. I don't think I could talk at the beginning of the next segment. It's his just, and, and that's how, that's how much fun I have with Taz. So, oh my God. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch that segment oh, <laughs> just, man. just to see right. how it was afterwards. Yeah. You know, you, you touched on something there and it's something that Steph and I have talked about a lot on the show and to ourselves when we're just watching AEW. You guys have done an amazing job of keeping things a secret. Like when someone's there, I mean, you said it yourself, you didn't even know Sting was coming and you're right. a pretty integral part of the show. That's and right. I think that's something that as a wrestling fan, I appreciate because I don't want to know three days before that sting is coming. I want to know that night. So is that something that from the beginning of AEW, maybe Tony and everybody at the top said, look, if you want this to work, you got to keep your mouth shut. Or is that something that the boys in the back kind of are like, Hey, everybody zip their lips. Yeah. Well, I, I think Tony has as certainly, uh, especially during the tape shows that we have, uh, and because and we've had to tape like two weeks in advance, uh, because of our schedule, uh, and it would be very easy for somebody to give away a tape show. And there have been people giving away tape shows. Uh, and Tony has been very adamant to try to, uh, stop that. And he has meetings with the guy says, listen, you know, uh, do not, do not give away anything. This is your job. And this is, it's important. You don't do that. Hmm. And I think because everybody respects Tony so much and they really do and loves him so much as a boss that they're willing to, to keep it a secret. Hmm. And he, when we have meetings, we have production meetings, we have a production meeting the day before it used to be at the arena, uh, in, um, in the catering, in the catering room. Uh, and now we have it, you know, on, on a, on a 
telephone call. And then we'll have a meeting like an hour and a half before airtime. And Tony does not give any way, anything away on that, in that meeting, nothing. He doesn't tell us anything about what's going to happen. He just goes through what is going down and he will say, and at the end of the this, we've got like three minutes for a post-match angle and it should be something very fun. And that's all he'll say. Wow. So I knew Sting was coming in, but he didn't tell me about it. And there's a lot of things that happen on this show that he will smart me up in my ear about, but not tell me when everybody's in there together. And I like, I've always liked it that way. Hmm. I really do. I think you, I mean, they're in the, in, in trying to make a wrestling show and make a storyline mean something, you got to have your announcers know which way you want to direct the fans somewhat or which way you want to point them. I get it. But Tony, I think has enough confidence in the three of us as announcers that we are going to do the right thing without going off on a tangent. And so he lets us do our own thing. And, uh, it, it's, it's worked. It, it is, it is really worked. And, and I agree. I mean, you know, and I know we're going to have a lot more surprises coming up. I didn't know Mark Henry was going to be there until Mark Henry was there the day of the event. And, um, so, and I saw him there and I talked to him and I'm thinking, and then I, and I saw Dave LaGreca and I thought, oh, I got it. They're going to record something for busted open. Well, I was told later that evening, no, Mark is going to start doing stuff for Rampage. I didn't know that. And so that was, uh, I don't know if people had known that or not. I thought that was a pretty good secret. Yeah. Uh, Ethan Page showing up was was a good surprise to have him show up. Uh, and Andrade, that shocked me. Now, I, you know, you hear things, right? I mean, when, when Vince lets people go or contracts run out, you know, they automatically fans are going to think, well, he's going to end up in AEW, which is not necessarily always the case. But uh, it shocked me that, that Andrade was here. And, yeah. Uh, so, you know, those things, that they'll bring them in and they'll put them in a trailer in the back and, the, and the, the guys will stay in their trailer the entire day. They won't get out. They won't go to catering. They won't walk around in the back. Nothing. So, yeah, we've done a good job of that. We really have. It's yeah, we, I think you tell the difference between those reactions too with you guys. Like the genuine reactions are just so fun as a fan. Right to hear, right. see people on the sides reacting and seeing these people. Like you can just tell the difference between yeah. someone who knew in advance and someone who didn't. Yeah. The, the great reaction when Sting walked out that night was the reaction ringside of these, you know, the wrestlers that we have, which are independent wrestlers who are trying to make a name. And, you know, we hire them to, to wrestle on dark and elevation and, and they wrestle and there are ringside fans. Their reaction to Sting coming out was, it was mind blowing. I mean, they were giving each other high tens and people were hugging. It was like, uh, I would have given anything to see Sting walk from his trailer to the go position that night and fans turn around, guys turn around and, and seeing him and seeing his reaction. That would have been cool. Yeah, really. Funny you talk about the spoilers. I don't know. I don't know if we had a chance to tell you this, Tony, but, um, Sunday morning at breakfast, I was having a meeting with Travis and Rena Joe. We're talking about the comic and stuff and, all of a sudden I look over and I see Mark Henry and I'm like, you can't do like one of those double take and like Travis I go, and he goes, that's Mark Henry. So we actually were kind of talking amongst ourselves. And of course we're not going to say anything, you know, I mean, we don't want to spoil it, but we were, we were sure 
he was going to be the surprise entrant in the battle royal. <laughs> we were like, oh, this is going to be it. He's going to come out, he's gonna, you know. And instead, Leo Rush came out, which was also really cool. Right. right. But then I'm like, oh, well, okay. Well, I guess Mark's just here as a fan or whatever. So then when he comes out later in the night after all to announce, you know, that he's that he is with the promotion, it's like we swerved ourselves. And again, we got to have that that really authentic pop moment all over again. But right. but you're right. I mean, where we were eating breakfast, we were having a breakfast meeting was fairly isolated and, and, and we were kind of joking. We're like, oh, man, is this going to be on Twitter? Is someone going to spoil this? As far as I know, no one no one said a thing. Anyone yeah. that saw him and it was just really refreshing to see that anybody that might have seen them no one did the gorilla picture and posted it online or you know go to the dirt sheets and like oh you know mark henry is seen in jacksonville it was just yeah. a really really cool surprise it well you know it's more than that it it's finishes of matches too and not necessarily knowing who's going to go over and who's not going to go over uh one one quick quick example was when kenny omega won the world title from john moxley i didn't know how that finish was going to go um, and so Don goes with the microphone, Don's up on, you know, he's with us at the, uh, at the desk, he takes the microphone, they hit Moxie over the head with it. Kenny wins the title and they run out the arena with Alex Marvez chasing them. And Alex Marvez said something about Don Callis says, you'll hear more about it on Tuesday night. And when he said that, I remember thinking that stupid son of a bitch. We're on Wednesday night. Okay. <laughs> And then Alex Marvez said exactly what I was going to say without calling him some of which he said, you mean Wednesday? He said, no, Tuesday on impact. I went, what? Our belt's going to be on impact. See, I didn't know any of that was going down. And so they did a great job of, of, I thought hiding all that. So again, the, the finishes are, are kept for the most part kept from me. If I, if I want to know, Tony will tell me, but let it ride, man. What I love about both of your stories, actually, all the stories you just told there, what they're doing, they're turning people in the industry back into fans, which is how they probably got into this business to begin with. Yeah. Like when Tony's getting excited and when wrestlers are high tending because Sting is there and when Dirk is like, holy shit, Mark Henry is here. You're turning people who normally would get kind of like. Just over time, you just get used to that kind of stuff because you're in the business. But right. when you get them to pop over something, then you know you're doing something right. Right. I, I've often said, and and I and I really believe this. I've always said it, uh, not necessarily out loud, but I've always believed that the best wrestling announcer you can be is when you cease to become an announcer and start to become a fan mm-hmm. during the match. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's kind of what we've become on many levels many different matches. Now, not all matches are great. I get that, but the matches that really work, you know, we're really excited about it. You know, and it's funny coming full circle with the comic book too, is one of those things where obviously being a fan of wrestling and being a fan of Tony personally and professionally getting, knowing that there's a lot of people who are going to read this comic initially because they're fans of Tony as well. I wanted to make them fans of comic books which is why we did the approach we did with the 10 different artists, which originally started as 10 artists and ballooned into 25 artists and things like that. And it was like one of these things where I'm like, I was even a little nervous when I first pitched to Tony the idea about what to do a different artist for each chapter, because I'm like, you know what? There's all these fans. Tony is this legacy character in professional wrestling. There's these people that maybe have not read a comic book since they were little, 
have never read a comic book at all. And I want to show them the power of the medium. And I want to make them fans of this medium too. I love wrestling. I love comic books. And to me, there's such a, Tony's, uh, I learned this term from Tony, a Venn diagram, apparently, when they kind of overlap. Mm. Like, (laughs) (laughs) don't think that's the term Tony's looking for. Venn diagram. (laughs) I just favored. We were talking one day and he was talking about a Venn diagram. And I said, I said, stop with the Venn diagram bullshit because (laughs) I don't want to hear it. There's no Venn diagram in wrestling. But there is between comics and wrestling. They're they're very Good. much cr- right. a crossover, if you will. There's an overlap. Somehow. An overlap. Do us a favor. Write a Venn diagram with a sheet of paper, okay? And oh, no. then and then burn it. <laughs> yeah, wad it up. I was like, wad it right. and stick it up your butt. Right. Okay. That's but, what I uh, thought he was going with that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask uh, before, and I, I think this is a good way to to kind of bring it all together. Um, Tony, I listen to the show every week. Huge fan. I mean, I tell Steph to listen. I I love the show. One of the things I love is that you and Conrad genuinely bust each other's balls in such a good-hearted way. But one question I wanted to ask you, Mm. over the years, like, who are some of the legendary ball busters in wrestling? Oh, my God. Uh, The legendary ball buster in wrestling, before I got into it, that everybody knew was uh, was Johnny Valentine. and. Mm -hmm it was some of the stuff he did was pretty vicious, uh, Hmm. but it was legendary. Um, and I think flair did a good job of that. Okay. Uh, because flair's flair's MO was always to get people drunk. So they would make a fool of themselves. Mm -hmm. So you would entertain him. Mm -hmm. Um, and Kurt Hennig, I know some great stories. Kurt Hennig was one of the greats. And Mm -hmm. of course, everybody knows about Owen Hart being one of the greats Mm -hmm. of all time. I think that I think that backstage in AEW now, I I've become one of the better ones. And, and I say that because when I first started, I was pretty much the age of some of these guys, maybe a little bit younger, mm-hmm. right? And now they're all like my kids. So they're all the age of my kids. So I can really, you know, you know, bust their balls about things and mm-hmm. you know, give them a hard time and uh you know, like a uh, guy will come out uh, and he'll have a match that night and I'll see him the next day and I'll say, Hey, great match last night. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thank is, and, and they always say something like, is there anything, anything you can tell me? Any, any critiques? I say, yeah, learn how to fucking sell. <laughs> and then I'll walk off. Okay. And then I'll go, were you serious? I said, yes, I was serious. And I'll walk off again. Of course I'm not, you know, but, but I'll say things to them like that. Uh, but Hennig was one of the, the best ones ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Valentine was tremendous. Flair was tremendous. And Arn Anderson, I, Arn Anderson can cut a promo on you backstage. Like nobody can, mm-hmm. nobody can. He saw me. I love to wear colorful stuff. Like I got on right now. Mm-hmm. Love colors, love pastels. And I had a dark purple pair of shorts on and a light purple Tommy Bahama shirt. And Arn came up to me and he says, you know what you look like? I said, no, I don't. You look like an Easter egg. He said, and that's okay because you're the shape of one anyway. It's just stuff like that. And uh, we just, we just do that all the time. It's, it's part of, it's part of the lore. And, and I think I, I think I got busting balls because I traveled with a baseball team for many years. Mm -hmm. Athletes bust balls all the time. So, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, but 
but I feel like it also. Uh, so I come from an Italian family where we all bust each other's balls, but it comes oh, yeah. it comes from a place of love right. because I feel like when you don't bust a person's balls, that's when you feel like, OK, they might take it too seriously. They're not going to get it. I'm not going to do that to them. But you right. do it to the people that you understand that they're you're just joking. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Eddie Kinks and I have a running feud <laughs> all the time. Oh, gosh, I bet yeah. that's great. Yeah. You know, when, when, he cut, when he cut that promo for the comic, he was one of the first ones to do a video drop for the book. And God, I, I marked out so hard. I just laughed my ass. Away. I was like, well, what is this, Shivani? You want me we want me to cut a promo for your stupid comic book? Or whatever yeah. I got on the <laughs> other day because he came out in that black suit of his, you know, with the, with the tank top and he had a yellow belt on. And I said, Eddie, get rid of the yellow belt. What's wrong? You don't like the yellow belt? I said, no, I love yellow belts. But not someone has a belly lapped over it. I don't. <laughs> so I, we give each other a hard time all the time, and he's good at it. So, um, real quick before before we uh, kind of wrap this up and let you go. So sometimes when you watch the '86 show, they'll guys will be cutting promos and they'll drop little inside joke nuggets inside yeah. the promos. They only get. Do they? Do you still do that now in AEW, or is that kind of? No, I don't think we do it. Uh, no, no, not, not like we did back then, but I know you guys do it in the, I know you guys do it in commentary. Oh, all, all the time. time. All the time. Yeah, actually, all the time. <laughs> are you trying to make each other pop? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. We are. And who's the worst at keeping a straight face? Me. <laughs> yeah, I can keep it. Here's the, here's the damn thing. I can keep a straight face on camera. I can, but when we're not on a camera and they say something, I, I, I'll, I'll fall out. I literally will fall out. So I, I wish we could see that. I wish I could put a, a camera yeah. on you guys to watch that. Yeah. Um, but real quick. So it's butts in seats, comic.com, correct? Yes. You can still pre-order the book right now. The pre-order window will be closing soon, but you can pre-order it at butts and seats, comic.com. Yes. But, but then it got, uh, if I'm correct here, it got picked up and it's going to be available like nationwide in stores and stuff, correct? It will. It will. You can pre-order it now, get it directly from our publisher, SourcePoint Press. Uh, you'll be able to get it that way before it goes into bookstores and things like that. So if you want to get your copy early, you can pre-order through buttsandseatscomic.com. Otherwise, it'll be available everywhere and anywhere you can get comic books and graphic novels. You'll be able to see Tony Giovanni's face, for better or for worse staring out at you from a comic book cover mm -hmm. and right, right next to on the ropes as chaos erupts around him as <laughs> it's his life right next right next to brit's amazing boobs absolutely he could I'm only there. wish he could only <laughs> wish that that would be on the final cover but uh on page I think brit could only wish on that would be on the cover <laughs> right page 94 you know gets his arm his arm right there <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna have to get a special one for Brit. Yeah, special edition cover. Just, <laughs> just the two of you. Just, yeah, just say it's all your best friends and just draw her in just, like seven different <laughs> versions. That's, that's very good, Chris. That's good. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Top security. If you need someone to write it, I'm in. Let me know. Yeah. There we go. We there. There's number two. We got number two right there. Brit, Britsinseats.com. <laughs> there we go. There there it is. <laughs> that, that'll, Tony, that'll be our two butts, two seats. Yeah, I know. We're going to do it. We're going to do another. We're going to do another edition. I'm going to become a superhero. That's right. Oh, have to. That yeah. that I definitely want to see. Next up. I know we got to go. Would she be your partner or your rival, like your arch enemy? She'd be my arch enemy. She'd be my cat woman. Get it? 
Oh, uh-huh. I've been uh-huh. Twitter lately. I see. Yeah. Ooh, I see the rating on this one going uh, up a little bit. <laughs> Maybe like an NC. Do they do NC-17 comics? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to find out next year in two bucks, two seats, bricks in seats. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Dirk, Tony, thanks so much. We, we had a blast talking to you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, thank you, Steph. Good talking to both you. of you. Yeah, thank you both. Wow. You made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review on iTunes to catch all the latest from myself, Chris, and our podcast. You can go to www.notaboutwrestling.com. You'll find previous episodes articles from episodes and links to all of our social accounts. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time.